Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. As a part of Behind the Steel Curtain's network of podcasts, look, you might love my show, and if you do, you're a part of the Ride or Die crew, and I love you for that. My Ride or Die crew is so loyal, it is, it's amazing. It is amazing. If you're not following us, though, on our audio platforms, well, you're missing some of the stuff, and when I say some of the stuff, it's all the craziness that happened on Tuesday. We're talking about roster cuts. We had players being released. We had breaking news about that. We had two trades go down. Two on the day that the rosters had to be trimmed from 80 to 53. I did not see that coming at all, nor did I see them trading for those particular players. We'll talk about that a lot today on this podcast, but you can get all of that stuff at our audio-only platform, wherever you get your podcast, Just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow, so that you get all of my Let's Ride podcasts. But you also get the breaking news. You get the morning lineup, The Cutting Room Floor by Jeffrey Benedict. Had a great podcast on Tuesday. Make sure you go back and check that out. The Stat Geek coming up tomorrow morning. I always love the morning lineup, probably because I'm a part of it. And I love the shows that are on that lineup, but the noon lineup as well. Check out The War Room with Maddie Peverell today at noon, as well as all of our PM content. That's going to be really, really fun stuff. All right. There's a lot of stuff to talk about here. And we're going to make sense of these Steelers cuts and trades, and we are going to have the mailbag in the second half. A lot of people asked a lot of questions, and I might be answering some of those questions here in the first half, but that's okay. That is okay. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention that the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff met with media today. Matt Canada, Tara Lawson, and of course Mike Tomlin after practice. They do not talk about injuries. There's no need to talk about injuries just yet. Uh, that'll be next week when the Steelers officially start their preparation for week one. That is when you'll see the 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday injury report. So make sure you're, we'll be checking that out. But what we know about injuries, I wanted to bring up some of these. Alex Highsmith was back at practice. Now, Alex Highsmith has not practiced for a long time. He did not play in the preseason due to the rib injury he sustained, but he was back at practice. That's a really good thing for this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. They need him back. Also, Montrevious Adams. A lot of people, myself included, Dave Schofield also said this, thought that Montrevious Adams was going to go to injured reserve. They were keeping him on the roster because they like him. Yet the foot injury or ankle injury, we're really not sure what ex- the ex- exact injury was, that it would actually keep him off of the lineup. You know, he'd go to injured reserve, get himself healthy, and be able to come back. But reports were that he was back at practice on Tuesday. That's something of note. And then the other injury news, it was good news, was that DeMonte KZ, we all know that he suffered that wrist forearm injury in the game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions, not season-ending injury. I didn't think, but you never know. I, I To be honest with you, last year when Tyson Alawalu went down in Week 2 against the Las Vegas Raiders at, at then Heinz Field, when I heard that he broke his ankle, I was like, ah, there's a chance he could come back. People break their bones all the time, and they're able to get out of the cast and and come back in a decent amount of time. Turned out that was not the case. So while KZ's injury, we don't know the extent of it, us, the fans, we don't know. Clearly, the, the organization feels that he should be able to come back at some point this season. So that's good news. I don't know how long they're that, that's something Mike Tomlin would have to address, but still good news on the injury front with Highsmith Adams back and KZ's injury not being of the season ending variety. Let's talk about the trades. I said this at the beginning. I did not expect Omar Khan. Man, Omar Khan, he's doing his thing and he's doing it his way. He is doing his thing and he's doing it his way. I love it. I love how he's structuring contracts. Not that he hasn't done that before, but he has a lot more leeway now than he ever has as the general manager. I love how he's being aggressive with getting some of these contracts done and he's not willing to wait around and let other people's scraps fall to him. Regardless of your thoughts on the players that were acquired via trade, what he did, and this kind of reminds me, you know, with cutdown day, it reminds me a lot of signing undrafted free agents in the seventh round. We always say the same thing. You don't want to go into a bidding war with these players, so you want to go and get them in the seventh round. Likewise, even if you know that there's a player that is going to be cut, you might want to try and make a trade with that team before they cut their players. Why? So that you don't have to wait on the waiver wire, so you don't have to wait and see where they end up going. You want to make sure you get that player. So right off the bat, Omar Khan era continues to be exciting. The Omar Khan era, in my opinion, is different, and it's not different in a bad way. I think that this is a way for the Steelers that it, it's going to feel odd at times when they make these type of moves, but in my opinion, he's not ignoring the draft. He's not ignoring building through the draft. What he's doing is he's saying, we need to make moves because we need to better our team, and I'm not going to sit around and wait. I'm okay with that. I'm 100% okay with that. So it was Tuesday, and it was around midday, and some some of the cuts had already started to come out, meaning they had released, I believe, 27, I don't know, 20-some players that they said were cutting. And some of the cuts were being leaked, nothing official from the Steelers at this point, and then all of a sudden it hit the wire that the Steelers made a trade with the Denver Broncos. So 
whenever I see a trade with the Steelers, the first thing I want to know is who did the Steelers get? In this case, they got Malik Reed. Malik Reed, who played his college football in Nevada. He played with Denver and played a lot outside linebacker. He actually had a strip sack of Ben Roethlisberger last year. Has a lot of experience, and he has put up numbers. We're not talking about some, I hate to say this, but we're not talking about a Derek Tuska, Tuska, however you say his name, who comes over but really hasn't ever done anything in terms of production. This guy has done it. Maybe not to the highest extent, but the Steelers were just looking for quality, proven depth at a position of need, and so they go and they get this guy. And everyone's probably going to say, well, he was probably going to be cut. He probably was. The Steelers didn't want to wait. They didn't want to get into the semantics of the waiver wire. And so what they did, they traded a six-round pick to the Denver Broncos. And in return, the Steelers get Reed and a seventh-round pick. And this is in the upcoming NFL draft in 2023. So I always look at what did the player get? What did the Steelers have to give up? Was it a lot? No. A six-round pick's not the end of the world. The Steelers only have, I believe, six draft picks in this upcoming draft, though, so keep your eye on that. Still, they addressed a major need. I was I was stunned, and so when some of the names of the players that were cut came out, it made sense when you think about the addition of Reed being probably the fourth pass rusher on the team. Nonetheless, the day progresses. Maybe some more new rumors, reports, etc. are coming out of players that are going to get cut. And this has to be done by 4 p.m. Eastern time. Keep that in mind. 4 p.m. New York time is when the NFL states that all teams have to have the 53-player mandate. They have to adhere to that no matter what. So with 53 players, you're looking at the numbers. The Steelers have to release some more players. And all of a sudden, in a whirlwind, kudos to Dave Schofield for handling this. I was actually driving home and unable to do it. He covered a trade which is the Steelers getting Jesse Davis, an offensive lineman, and the Steelers getting their official initial, we'll put it, say initial in air quotes, 53-man roster as well. Let's talk about the trade. Who's the player the Steelers get? Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis was with the Miami Dolphins for, I believe, the first five years of his career, and then he was with the Minnesota Vikings before the trade that sends him to Pittsburgh. What did the Steelers have to give up? Well, they had to give up a 2025, not 2023, not 2024, 2025 conditional seventh round pick. That's it. So the the Minnesota Vikings were willing to part ways with this guys anyways. All the reports online, and I'm talking about Twitter, so take that for what it's worth, were that the Vikings were going to cut him no matter what. There were also reports that Omar Khan had been looking for offensive linemen on the market the last week or so. This guy comes available, they make a go at it, and they they sign him. They make the trade. This kind of reeks of Joe Haig to me. They're very similar. The one thing that really irks me, though, is when you think about it and you look at the narrative surrounding this guy both in Miami and in Minnesota, it's not good. It is not good. Malik Reed, people said he can contribute. He knows how to play the outside linebacker position in a 3-4. He knows how to rush the passer. He has done it, proven commodity. He's a good fit for the Steelers. Everyone thought it was a thumbs up, kudos, good move. This move, the polar opposite. People were saying in Miami, fans of the Dolphins said when they got rid of this guy, it was one of the greatest days of my football life. 
Think about what that means. That would be like me talking about when Jordan Berry was cut last year down, getting down to the 53-man roster, and they kept Presley Harvin. That would be like all those times that I busted on players, whether it was Justin Lane, we'll talk about him in a little bit, or someone for their poor play, and when the Steelers finally let him go, you're thinking, oh my gosh, finally that guy is off the team, he's out of the organization. That was this guy for the Miami Dolphins. And even though he spent a majority of his time with Miami, even the people in Minnesota throughout this preseason and training camp, they weren't impressed either. So what did the Steelers get? They get a guy who has a lot of experience. He's played a lot of games, a lot of starts. He's a tackle, guard, flexible player. But he's not the technician that people want to see. He's more of a road grader. That's something that maybe some Steeler fans will be excited about. He is someone that excels in run blocking more than pass blocking. How does he fit on this offensive line? Is he nothing but depth? Is he just a swing tackle or or depth at the interior, meaning a guard and also can flex outside? Who knows? Are they going to make some wholesale change where they move Chooks Okorafor to the left side and put this guy... uh, Jesse Davis, who has predominantly been a right tackle in his career over to the right side, I highly doubt it. But still, they weren't happy with what they had, and so they went and they made a move. So, hey, here's the way I look at it. I've I've learned to trust the Steelers over time. The Steelers obviously made these trades. They did not have to give up a lot for them. So even though the players themselves, let's you hope that they pan out, You hope that Malik Reed can be the depth that they need, that can be a rotating piece, can be someone that can make a difference. You hope that Jesse Davis isn't even needed. I think that's really important to note here. You hope that even though Davis, everyone from the narrative surrounding him, you hope that they don't even need this guy. You hope Dan Moore stays healthy and plays at a high level. You hope the same for Chooks Okorafor on the other side. You hope the guards pan out. But if not, maybe this experience is going to be valuable. So we shall see. So like I said, Dave Schofield was like a a madman on behind the steel curtain in the back end doing the editorial stuff while I was away from the computer. And here we go. The roster cuts are made. Made official. All of them. So I could read you the list, but why do that? It's not worth half of these guys that got cut are not even worth noting. And that sounds horrible. I've talked about the human condition and how we want to keep that in mind. I'm trying to be sensitive to that. But some of these people just, they're just, they just are not even a blip on the radar. They're not moving the needle at all. But there were some notable cuts, and I want to talk about some of those. One of them was John LeGlue. Now, Dave Schofield and I had done many 53 man roster predictions leading up to this day, and we all had LeGlue making the team because of his position flexibility, his versatility along the line. Yet that was not enough to keep him. He got cut. Uh, the Davis twins, they got cut. Both of them. Carlos was a drafted player by the Steelers. Khalil, they picked him up as a free agent uh, when he was released by Tampa Bay. Neither of those two make the team. Maybe they stay on the practice squad. Maybe they don't. We'll see. Joe Haig talked about how Jesse Davis is a lot like Joe Haig. And honestly, Joe Haig, could he come back? Maybe. We'll talk about that in a second. Hamilcar Rashid. I, I said it once. I said it correctly, I think. And he's gone. Just like that, he's gone. So the outside linebacker, you kind of felt that was coming when Malik Reed was signed, that his time in Pittsburgh was up. But uh, Buddy Johnson, 
Buddy Johnson, a fourth-round pick last year. You know, it's interesting. I had said on this podcast multiple times why I value the preseason. I look forward to it. And Buddy Johnson was a player I specifically said, I'm anxious to see this guy because no one has seen what he can do. I said that. And I was I was excited to see if Buddy Johnson was the thumper, the Vince Williams type that every Steeler fan wants to see on the inside. Now, the, the Miles Jack signing in hindsight should have signified that the Steelers weren't that crazy about what he was bringing to the team. And I always go back now after he was cut, and I think back to I had Matty Peverell of the War Room and the Touchdown Under podcast. I had him on my Let's Ride show over the summer, and he made a comment about Buddy Johnson was out having a lot of fun that summer, and he said that he's been partying it up and putting it on Instagram. And I, I just that stuck with me for some reason. Not that a player can't go out and party and have a good time, but Najee Harris isn't. If you watch that awkward sideline report or the the reporter Evan Washburn trying to ask him what what did he do this summer for fun, he's like, uh, nothing. I went to Mexico. Like that was all he said. So, Buddy Johnson's gone. He's been cut. Unless he comes back on the practice squad, we'll see. Uh, other than that, Justin Lane, my buddy Justin Lane, ah, Justin Lane, Lustin Jane, as we called him on the podcast. If if you're new to the show and you're wondering what is that, what does that mean? Like I saw you on Twitter say something, and other people have said something. This goes back a couple years ago. I think it was two years ago in the 2020 season. There was a play made or missed where Justin Lane was in coverage. It was a blown coverage. It might not have been his responsibility. But he got burned, and so I said on Twitter, "Not I didn't tag him. That's that's important to know here. I didn't tag him. I said, man, Justin Lane not looking that great or blown coverage, something of that nature. He must have been searching his name or someone shared it with him. He DMs me, says, you don't know what you're talking about, yada, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I, was like, I said, dude, I'm just saying what I see. And he wanted nothing to do with it. So Lustin Jane, he's no longer with the team. Another drafted player, though, third-round pick. Uh, Anthony McFarland, he gets cut. Uh, and a lot of people were shocked. They only went with three running backs. He gets cut. See what happens there if he might be able to come back. We'll talk about that. Marcus Allen, another drafted player, he gets cut. These are notable cuts. These are notable cuts. Now, when I say could they come back, there's more moves to be made, folks, just so you know. The players have to be on the roster for 24 hours, and then they can be moved to the injured reserve. Think back to last year. They did it with Stefan Tuitt. They did it with, I believe, uh, uh, Anthony McFarlane last year when he was hurt. And there was a third player. I can't remember who that was. But still, they did it with three players last year. This year, they could do it with a player like DeMonte KZ. If they're not too thrilled with the progress of Calvin Austin III's foot injury, he could go on injured reserve. And if and maybe even Montrevious Adams, if he returns and he says that he's just not ready and it's just not right his foot or ankle, he could go on injured reserve. And if they go on injured reserve, then they could bring back an Anthony McFarland. They could bring back a Marcus Allen. And they could even bring back a Joe Haig if they wanted. And I'm not saying that I'm predicting those all three of those to come back. I'm not predicting they will bring three players back in general. I think at least KZ goes on IR. Don't be shocked if Marcus Allen's the first one back after that. And then if they have a second one, I think Anthony McFarlane would be that guy. So trying to make thoughts and make, or make trying to make sense of all this, you know, the trades were made for an obvious reasons. The cuts, the, really, if we're talking about, you know, a, a fourth running back or a special teams guy in Marcus Allen, the Steelers kept who they felt were the best 53 players right now. Uh, it's 
it's lousy to see some of these drafted players get cut, but it is what it is. A lot of you will have questions about these players. I understand that, and we'll talk about all that in the mailbag segment right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. fans it is time for the mailbag it's hump day it's wednesday happy wednesday everyone we are halfway there the united states we have a labor day holiday weekend coming up i'm excited for that i'm sure you are as well let's get this show on the road Southside doc or doc m says with the cut down on tuesday does the team inherently get worse with the loss of potential backups do the players that stay get better through opportunity for more individualized reps and position groups I think that's a great question. I do think that you do lose something, but I don't think it's as bad as many would think. So like I said, there's a lot of players that don't even move the needle. The Steelers keep them around because they need depth of positions to fill, to fill out their roster in the preseason. However, I, I don't all, I also don't think that if a player gets in the practice squad, they're getting a ton of individual reps that they're going to, they're going to be in meetings they're going to be there for the instruction, but the players that are going to get the reps are the players that need those reps. So I do think it's beneficial to be in the system, in the organization, at those meetings, but I also don't think for those fringe players that get signed to the practice squad that they're really at a huge advantage over others. There is an advantage, but I don't think it's as big as many people think. Britsburgo Owen says the Steelers' offensive line looks absolutely awful again. Against the Jags and Lions, it was exceptionally poor. In your opinion, is the players or the coach who are not enabling this line to be an effective? I'm going to talk about this at length on Friday. I was going to talk about it today, change my mind with the roster cuts and the trades, and I'm going to be talking about this, Pat Meyer, on Friday. But I want to say something first. Britsburg is the one that asked the question, so I'm going to be speaking directly to him. You labeled it as absolutely awful again. I asked this question last week after the Jaguars game, and you need to ask yourself the question, is improvement even possible? This is a great article that was written by Kevin Smith. You can check it out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. There's a film room about the offensive line against the Lions. And no, it wasn't great, but it was important to note that Kevin said in that article, these guys haven't even played four quarters together. They've practiced, sure, but when it comes to playing games, it's different. You do any sport. It, practicing is different than an actual performance. Give them a chance. Let them gel. We'll see. We'll talk about it more on Friday. Brian Haynes asked several questions. He says, who is your biggest surprise cut? I, I honestly think, for me, the biggest surprise was Anthony McFarland. I thought Anthony McFarland had a great preseason he played great in Seattle in week one of the preseason. He stayed healthy for once. Change of pace guy. Jalen Warren, I think, he just played so well they couldn't do anything about it. But that's my pick. Next one from Brian. Is there anyone you hope falls to the Steelers that's been cut? Um, I honestly haven't even looked. I know Andrew Wilbar is going to be writing that article for the website, so be on the lookout for that. Next one from Brian. What is your favorite thing about teaching? Summer break. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. I'm not kidding, but I am kidding. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm a physical education teacher for those that are that, that, that don't know. Um, and 
I love it. I love being with the kids. I love the fact that even in middle school, they still enjoy my class. They like being there. I like to get them physically active and fit. Obviously, health and fitness is a big part of my life. Sports is a big part of my life. So if I can get students to kind of buy into that, that's part of the job, and that's what I love. Good questions. Tank asks a couple questions. First, would you consider redshirting Calvin Austin and Pickett this year, one due to injury and the other to learning curve? I'm not saying that anyone's redshirting this year. I think that if they can help the team win in some way, you put them in that position to help them win. Meaning if Calvin Austin is healthy and the Steelers feel like he can help them win, you put him in the game and you give him an opportunity. Likewise with Pickett, if he is your best option to quarterback, you don't go to someone else because he's a rookie. You give him an opportunity. Now he's not going to start in week one. Mitch Trubisky is probably going to start. And I would I'm going to say it's a 99.9% chance that he starts, even though Mike Tomlin said, I'm not naming a quarterback yet. I don't think that you redshirt anyone. You would think about you think about college. Redshirting your season means your season's done. So I'm not doing that at all. Not doing it at all. Let's see if they can help him win. Next question from Tank. With it being cut down Tuesday, how do you feel about the new roster? How confident uh, that it will, it'll change again? I'm very confident it'll change again. Players are going to injure reserve. They'll probably bring back a player or two. And let's also not forget, the Steelers could still shuffle this 53. It's not as fluid as the 90-man roster in the offseason, but it still can be fluid. Keep your eyes out for that. Last one, if the Steelers were to trade away one defensive back, one quarterback, and one wideout, who do you think would hurt less to lose? All right. I would think that, to be completely honest here, the one that would hurt less would probably be a quarterback because it's got it's probably Mason Rudolph. That would hurt less. Uh, even if you traded Mitch Trubisky, they wouldn't do that, but if they did, it would hurt less. You think about the wide receivers, you still are going to need all of those guys. Defensive backs, same. So that's where I'm going with that. Good questions, Tank. All right, Believers said, give me some possible pickups after cuts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he said, offensive line, they signed their guy that they like. They traded for him. Inside linebacker, safety, anyone you really want are good with just standing pat. It's not that I don't want them to go and bring in someone else. It's the fact that I don't know these players well enough to give you a name, nor have I been looking closely at who has been cut. Uh, Someone like Andrew Wilbar, Jeremy Betts, uh, Bradley Locker of Behind the Steel Curtain, they know all these players, and they're out there. They're tweeting away. Go check them out, see what they think. Will Caldwell, hey, Jeff, after Tuesday's roster moves, What cut surprised you the most? I kind of said that with Anthony McFarlane. What additions are you most exciting are most exciting to you? I think Malik Reed is the most exciting. I I think he provides that experience in the depth that they need at the outside linebacker position. Good question. Believers asks another one. You want questions that don't include comments about the O-line or inside linebackers. And he uses the uh, gif. I used a Caddyshack gif this time because I love Caddyshack. And it's a scene where Judge Smales yanks his grandson Spalding and he says, you'll get nothing and like it. And I love that. Great movie. RJ says, I'm thinking Mike Tomlin is a guru genius. Was playing Rudolph against second and third string to make him look good, bring in trade interest. Either way, if he stays or goes, I'm okay with it. He has gotten better from when he first started. So the the Steelers, these are sources coming from insiders, quote-unquote, air, air quotes there. The insiders stated that there were teams that called the Steelers interested in Mason Rudolph. And the Steelers said, 
Either it's not good enough or we're just not trading him. I guarantee if someone would have said, we'll give you a fourth, that they probably would have pulled the trigger and traded him, but no one did, so it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I think Mason Rudolph has improved. We'll put it that way. Nathan Vance likes says, hey, Jeff, have there been any injury update on Calvin Austin III or Alex Highsmith? So I said Alex Highsmith returned to practice Tuesday, so that was good news. Calvin Austin III, he was the one that said at training camp that his foot was feeling better. He said he's just waiting for Mike Tomlin to give him the green light. When that happens, no one knows. B. Selfridge, he asked, what's the earliest week you think the Steelers will see Kenny Pickett as the starter? I think the earliest would be week four. When you think about they have week one at Cincinnati, week two home against New England, week three Thursday night at Cleveland. You're not going to want a rookie doing that stretch. If you're going to give the earliest, which was what your question was, the earliest was that following week where they come off that little mini buy. Next question from Selfridge. With the way the offensive line looked in the last three preseason games, do you think... The Steelers trade for an offensive lineman before the trade deadline this year. Um, and yeah, they, they did trade. They made that trade. So we'll see if that's if that would be someone else that would be uh, you know a trade deadline that's different than what we just saw on Tuesday. And last question, favorite candy bar. My favorite candy bar is a Snickers. Always has been, always will be. I like them frozen. I like them regular. Just a regular Snickers is great. Good questions. Todd Hall. Hey, Jeff, does Reed coming in and Highsmith not playing all preseason tell us he may not be ready? Do you think the coaches learned their lesson and set expectations before the trade was made? Uh, I, I think that they probably, well, no, they, they don't have to, you know, if you're trading with an organization, the player goes no matter what. Um, so I don't think there were maybe expectations, but I think in this case, you know, you're thinking about free agency, asking a free agent to come in, being upfront about the you know what your playing time is going to look like. In this case, I think Reed's just he's just valuable in regards to experience and depth. They didn't have it, and they needed it, so keep that in mind. I like the pickup, though I really do. Daily Joint Company to Jeff. I thought of a question: Is Dan Moore reaching Kendrick Green levels of bad? That's the very damning statement. I continue. I mean, in the same sense of he's playing so bad, his potential upside doesn't matter. To me, Kendrick Green is the is, I guess progenitor. I'm not even sure that of that word of bad play this year. But Moore's tape has looked awful in 2022. Not good, Bob. Not good. So Dan Moore hasn't been great, but I don't think he's at KG levels just yet. I say yet. Cheeseball ten. With all the discussions surrounding the Steelers' inability to part with swing and miss draft picks, do you feel the Buddy Johnson cut was a good idea? I don't like when the Steelers will keep a guy around just because they were a drafted player. Sometimes the writing is on the wall and you have to just move on. And I think that's what happened with Buddy Johnson. And I'm fine if Omar Khan is doing this. Well, Omar Khan's kind of playing with house money because he didn't draft him. It wasn't his draft pick, so we'll see what he does with his draft picks, but I'm okay with him parting ways with draft picks. It's part of the business. Alexander Dinesh says, should Steelers add someone to the O-line? They did. They did when they made that trade for, I keep on forgetting his name, it is Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis. No clue who he was right off the bat. Miss this one from Tank. 
how much love, I mean, how, with how much love Robinson, Mark Robinson, is getting at inside linebacker, if someone were to call for Bush, do you think the Steelers would answer? I, I don't think they would. I don't think they would. I they, I think it was Terrell Austin today still talked about how raw Mark Robinson is, how he doesn't understand all the assignments. And I don't think anyone's calling for Devin Bush anyways. So I, they would answer, but I don't think they would make a deal either way. Daily Joint Company asked another one. I hope the Steelers picks pick guys up before you record. So here goes. What positional group other than the offensive line has you most worried? And what what slash who do you think could be added to help the room? When I was doing my 53 roster prediction that ran on Tuesday morning, outside linebacker scared me to death when I was filling that out. More than cornerback, more than inside linebacker, even it was. It was, it was that position. It was outside linebacker. When you think about if TJ Watt goes down, what do you have? Alex Highsmith hasn't played a snap, so I was happy with them getting Reed. Um, I think it's it's a good fit, at least on paper. We'll put it that way. Amendez, he said, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure the Steelers have a good enough third outside linebacker. Do the Steelers pick one up? He obviously then said that, that that was answered by the move with Malik Reed. So there you go. Thank you for the question, though, Mendez, and being part of the Ride or Die crew. John Pennington said, Jeff, what positions will the team add to in the next 48 hours? Inside linebacker and both tackle and guard is next. I think they're going to keep their options open. If they see someone that they think can better the roster, they're going to make that move, especially at the positions you named tackle, guard, inside linebacker, and even cornerback. Keep your eye out for that one. The last question. For this mailbag segment from Frederick S. Fulton. Hey, Jeff, several times now you've mentioned that you don't follow college football. What college did you attend? I think your listeners need to know what program turned you off if your college had a football program. Yes. Okay, so this is a good question. Uh, I have said, and I still stand by the fact that I don't watch college football. Um, I went to a small Division II school in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, it was Shepherd College when I was accepted and went there. And when I graduated, it was Shepherd University. Um, Shepherd is one of the premier Division II football programs in the nation. They made it to the national semifinal game last year. It's not that they were bad, no. That's not why I don't like college football. If you've listened, I've said the reason I don't like college football is based on the fact that it's so there's so many teams – and I didn't go to a Division One school. I'm sure if I went to like a West Virginia university, I would be more involved and invested, but I'm just not. I like the National Football League. I like professional football. I like that the players get paid millions of dollars. I like that the games are super meaningful every single week. I like everything about the NFL. There's something about college football that just doesn't do it for me. I can sit down. It's the only sport, mind you. I can sit down. The only sport, the NFL, the only sport that I can sit down and watch any team play and be actually invested and actually want to watch. I'm not sitting down and watching a game that's not the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm not watching a hockey game that's not the Pittsburgh Penguins. The NFL, if it's a Thursday night game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans, I'm probably watching. (laughs) That's just me. I love the speed of the game. I love that it's the best of the best from college get to the NFL. I I, I have nothing against college football and people that love it. That's just my stance on it. Take it for what it is. I don't follow college football until the Steelers season's done and the NFL draft prep begins. All right. 
Great mailbag. Great mail mailbag. I, I hate that this podcast felt like it was a bunch of news, but I, I wanted to give you my take on the trades, roster cuts, as well as answer all your questions. So thank you very much. If you're wondering how you can get your question answered, it's simple. Follow me on Twitter at the letter J, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning now, about 8 a.m., I put out the question. I'll retweet it again in the afternoon. You respond to that tweet. Look for the gift because that'll be there. And I will answer it on the mailbag. On Friday, I got a great show coming up. I'm gonna. I'm really excited to talk about the offensive line, the philosophy, and Pat Meyer. Make sure you're looking out for that. I'll have Jerome, Jeremy Betts in the second half with the All Bets Are Off segment and Heart to Heart. All that coming for you on Friday, so make sure you check that out. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe. Be kind and God bless the Steelers. We'll see you on Friday.